Loaded Bases, episode 11. So this past weekend, one of my buddies, Levante, Allen, and I, we went up to uh, Driveland Baseball up in Kent, Washington. Let's just say that that place is amazing. And the thing that separates the driveline from any other baseball facility that I've been to is that their technology and all of their reports that they can write for personalized players using biomechanics. It's simply amazing. Also this past week, uh, I helped out Blast Motion on Twitter. They actually had, it was kind of funny, they had 9,900 and I believe... 90 followers and I saw that as a perfect opportunity to get them to the 10k and we got it and thanks to them they sent out a blast motion hat to me and I will be making a video about their products as well so with that being said let's just hop into this interview Travis Fitta let's go loaded bases I have Travis Fitta here. How's it going? Not bad, man. How's it going? Oh, just trying to not die from COVID. <laughs> Same. Same. So during quarantine time, have you been uh, staying busy? Yeah. You know, COVID, you know, as bad as the situation is, it's, you know, it's allowed us, you know, everybody, I guess, to you know, take a step back and reevaluate your life, kind of prioritize the things that maybe you didn't before, especially, you know, stoppage of work. You know, for me, it's got sent home from spring training and, you know, I was so invested into that because we're getting ready for our season. And, you know, this time has been good for not only continued learning, like for me, I've been, you know, listening to podcasts, being on podcasts, getting to talk with some amazing people, some amazing minds. I think I also, you know, took time personally to like reflect on my life and, you know, try to maximize not only my, my mental side, but also my physical side. You know, I've started mm -hmm. getting back into, you know, working out. I go on walks twice a day with a girlfriend, you know, kind of like a stress reliever, but also get, you know, some cardio in, Yeah. Um, you know, monitoring how I eat, changing my eating habits, you know, especially being baseball players and coaches and players, man, we, we eat like crap sometimes. And Oh, definitely know about that one. I would, yeah, we would stop on road trips and I would have, See, I would have a ice cream sandwich and a Red Bull. And that would be my go-to before games. But then I realized yeah, that I would not feel good after. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I played junior college baseball. So it's coach handing you $5 at a McDonald's yep. and learning how to maximize money. And, exactly. you know, for so long, like even for my, you know, career as a coach, as short as it's been, it's been a grind every single day where sometimes you forget to take care of yourself physically. Like, I would get to the point where I'd sleep at night, but then it's up and, you know, you're at it again the next morning. I, you know, I just turned 30 years old and I realized, you know, how important stretching is now because yeah. now I can't even take a walk without my calf cramping up or getting shin splints. And, yeah. you know, so it's, it's just those things of being able to prioritize my personal life now and make sure that I'm good there and I'm as healthy as I can be both physically and mentally. And, you know, just preparing for the day that we get to go back to baseball because it's going to happen. Just got to, you know, much like we're asking our players to stay ready, I myself as a coach have to stay, you know, just as ready. Yeah. What is your job title right now? So my job title right now, I am a hitting coach in the Chicago Cubs organization. I'm assigned to the Eugene Emeralds, which are the short season affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. I am their assistant hitting coach. So I'm technically the fourth coach on the roster. My background is more of a data and technology platform mm -hmm. so when I started in the private world in a facility I used you know different types of technology bat sensors batted ball profiles k vest to kind of paint the picture of what we were doing for player development and I mm -hmm. would use that to kind of guide what our individualized program is we're going to look for our players so I have a, a swing design background uh, I've been very fortunate to learn enough about that and you know how that translates into major league baseball now, especially with all the technology, all the analytics is we look for coaches who not only are great, you know, hitting coaches, but they're also, you know, well-versed with the technology, well-versed with the analytics. 
they're good relationship people because at the end of the day, like everything that we do is great, but it doesn't matter if you can't build relationships with players, you can't build that trust to get them to make changes or, you know, just to believe in what we're doing as an organization. So, you know, I, I kind of grew up in this game being one way. And I think the more that I've been in professional baseball, the more I've been around, you know, different people, the more you start to learn that you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. You have to know every single aspect of this game, whether it's considered old school or new school, because I mean, let's face it, like Pete guys have been doing this for hundreds of years without technology. And it's, I don't, I think we can discredit what they were doing. I think now it's just the technology and the data allows us to, you know, either confirm or deny that something works and maybe give some justification to why we do the drill. Maybe sometimes, you know, we've prescribed drills to players to fix certain, you know, inefficiencies. Maybe I don't, I don't think that sometimes we've known exactly why we've been doing it. We just know that it worked. So mm-hmm. now we're able to kind of, you know, validate that. And if it were for me, man, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, let's find a better way to do it. And, you know, that's kind of what we do now within the Cubs is we're just so uh, progressive with what we're doing. I think we're just yeah. trying to validate everything. Like every hitter is different and then they all have their own tweaks like for hitting. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you take video? of the players and then, and then go over them like for their uh, uh, hitting profiles. Yeah. So everything that we do, especially, you know, once you get in professional baseball and you know, these organizations are very, very wealthy and Mm. we spend a lot of our money on, you know, the top technological pieces we can get, you know, cameras is no different. Like every single swing a player takes, whether it's in practice or in a game is monitored by cameras it's broken down. I mean, even in the cages, the hitting coaches have their phones on them and we're taking, you know, different angled videos that sometimes our camera setups don't get, or we just kind of want to focus on one part. So, you know, you've seen coaches around cages, they stop, they get in this position, take, take video of players. And, you know, I think video is super important. I think, you know, sometimes biasly as coaches, we can see certain problems, like say a player, you know, pops one up to the top of the cage and, you know, there's so many cues for that. And guys just kind of resort to, Oh, well you dipped your back shoulder. And it's like, you know, every coach is very good. You know, we're, we're here for a reason, but I think sometimes we see things happen one time mm-hmm. and that kind of confirmation bias just leads you to believe that over and over again. And I think the cool thing about taking video, especially, you know, on the spot video with a phone is you can really break it down, especially with today's, you know, iPhone, I can slow-mo everything and oh, yeah. we can, we can really deep dive from there. And it just kind of allows the player and the coach to have a moment to go over video really quickly, maybe in between rounds, talk about what did we feel? What did we see? Here's what I'm seeing. Hey, have you saw this before? Because even, you know, for players, like these guys are extremely smart and they're going to be able to tell you exactly what happened in their swing, exactly where it broke down. And, you know, your job as a coach is you're really just kind of a support system. You're there to either confirm that or, you know, maybe possibly point out something that maybe you see. And, you know, it's such a joint effort, but video video kind of allows you to both be in the room, both have a say. And, you know, that's one thing I'll say about the Cubs and what our culture is, is, you know, the players are at the heart of what we're doing. We don't tell them this is what you have to do. We're never, you know, the, the ultimate authority, because at the end of the day, it's, it's these guys careers. Yeah. They're going to, it's up to them whether they're going to make changes or, or stay with what they're doing. You know, sometimes the best decisions for guys are, to not make any major changes just because we've seen something happen one time. And, you know, especially nowadays where, you know, if you don't perform, it's kind of like writing on the wall for a player that, you know, the next guy up is, you know, just as good as you. And what if he takes a step ahead of you? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the change doesn't have to come physically. Sometimes it doesn't have to come mechanically. Sometimes it is just an approach. It's a mindset. Maybe you woke up today and, you know, your girlfriend broke up with you last night. Like that's going to affect everything that we do. That's why, you know, hitting has become so controversial because everybody wants to have their stamp on it. Everybody has a little bit different to offer. I think at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to get to the same point and no piece of technology is going to be more important than I think the coach player relationship, because Mm -hmm. like I had said earlier, like if you can't build relationships with guys where, you know, in the best of times you're supporting them and in the worst of times you're supporting them and they really believe that you care about them far beyond what they can do on a baseball field. 
it doesn't matter what you or I see. It, all that matters to that player is do you care enough? And I believe if, if you do and they believe that, they're going to be willing to try different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, see, I, I know I'm kind of getting off the camera thing, but no, I just think it, it's so important to understand that everything that we do has to come back to can you build a relationship with a player? Can you gain that trust? Because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you have technology wise, what your background is, what certifications you have. That's just, that's a lot of, you know, your own personal growth for a player. It's, can I trust you? Do I care about you? Do I know that you care about me? If that's the case, they're going to buy into pretty much everything that you're willing to tell them. And then it's just from there, it's, can we work together to kind of to get you where to where you want to be, which, you know, ultimately for us is Wrigley Field. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, it's, it's like the saying that uh, when a coach stops talking to you, that's the point where there's an issue. I mean, cause I had a coach uh, back growing up when I was like four, uh, actually he started coaching when I was 12. It's like 12 till I was like 15. And he was on my case about absolutely everything. And there was a point where I realized that he would not be that way with anyone else because he expected the most out of me and he cared that much to put in all that time and effort. And then that right there had me feel that, okay, like, like I can do this. Like I'm going to listen to him. Baseball's metal. Like it's I I tell you, man, the, the further along that I get in this game, the more you meet, you know, some great, great players, great coaches, the more you realize that, these guys can all do this, this hitting thing. Like, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even know why sometimes we exist because (laughs) these guys, these, I'm telling you, these guys can make the the smallest correction on the fly. I think, you know, what, what people kind of misconstrue as being like the authority of being like a, a professional baseball coach. And it's by no means do I want to discredit anyone because guys have worked, you know, their ass off to get to yeah. this point and they deserve it. Everybody's gone through the interview process, which that'll tell you enough whether you belong here or not. Cause you have to get through some pretty impressive people to get this job. And, oh, you know, but the more you learn, the more you really are just here to kind of guide players in the right direction. And, you know, for me, like, I feel like it, even if I only know 5% more than the player, that's okay. Like I'm here to guide you down the right path. I'm here to give you my opinion. I'm here to show you, you know, what I know. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I learned so much from players because you're never going to encounter the same hitter, you know, twice. Like yeah. I may have guys that fall into certain brackets together, but you know, this kid is going to be different than this kid. And I have to treat that as such. So, you know, like I said, the further along you go in this game, I think the more you realize that your job really is to kind of be a Jack of all trades. I have to be you know, a counselor, I have to be a coach, I have to be a cheerleader, like, you have to do all of these things, because that's what your players require out of you. Like, you know, yeah. you're gonna hear me harp on this a lot. And I do this every time I talk is, you know, it's, you have to build relationships with guys. And at the end of the day, it's what it really comes down to, because trust like is I said, a big the, thing. The, the trust is huge. And it's I, yeah, I hear people talk about this all the time. And you know, I was blessed a couple times now to meet with uh, Andy Haynes, who's the Milwaukee Brewers uh, major league getting coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, his big point in every presentation he does is you have to do your homework before you ever have a conversation with a player. And that's, you have to know everything about this player for the hopeful chance that you get 10 seconds to talk to this player when he turns around and asks you what you think or what you see. Cause you know, far too often I see it, especially at a youth level, high school level is a player will turn around and you know I was the same way when I was a player like hey coach what do you see and the common answer I hear the one that I heard the most was uh take another swing and let me check it out and to me what that let me know was you weren't really watching and you know you can be standing out there and I think everybody's guilty of this I am too like sometimes you get in cruise control mode and you just you're watching swings and you know you're not really locked into what you should be locked into and you know sometimes you got to snap out of that real quick and you know, now, you know, being a professional baseball, like I believe me, my attention is a hundred percent go yeah. because you don't want to miss anything. You, you have to do your homework on these guys. So when somebody turns around and says, Hey coach, what do you got for me? Believe me, this is the thing that Andy told me was you better have an answer for something. 
And you better be paying attention because that player is going to make his mind up in 10 seconds or not, whether or not you were listening, whether you were doing your research. And, you know, the more you go along, the more you realize that if you're doing your homework on these guys, which for any professional coach, for any coach in general who sees players, like we have resources that are going to allow me to see everything this kid has ever done. Now, I understand not a lot of people are going to have those resources to be able to deep dive, you know, six years back on a player and see trends, but Mm. I do. So it's my responsibility to know these things. And, you know, if I don't have an answer when a guy asks me a question, you know, I'm in trouble because that's just like players talk, man. Like if players go back to the locker room and they're like, hey, this guy doesn't pay attention to anything, doesn't care, doesn't know anything. I asked him a question. He said, hey, take a couple more swings. Like that's going to grow throughout a locker room. Yeah. So for any coach who's trying to get to that position, man, like you have to prioritize people first. Like, yeah, you're a baseball coach, you're in baseball, but really you're in a, you're in a people job. This is all about working with people, working with players, working with other coaches. Like, you know, I have bosses above me who I've got to perform for. So Mm. I I have to answer to everybody. And this is one big business. Exactly. Yeah. And my motto has always been for players is, you know, you don't work for me. I work for you whatever your problems are, they're my problems. I have to be able to help you alleviate those. And, you know, when you're in the people business, man, you're all about service. And I think, you know, especially for, you know, my background, people that kind of are like me and think like me, like I, I place people so far ahead of myself that, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, like I don't really take care of myself as often as I should, but that's just because I, I inevitably put an emphasis on taking care of the people that I need to take care of. And that's people that are below me, people that are above me. It's my players. Like we're all in this together. And then at the end of the day, you just got to try to be the best that you can be and don't have any regrets. Don't have any fear of failure because every single day you're going to fail. I mean, Oh yeah. I, I would, I would like to believe that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do and I definitely deserve to be here. I can tell you right off the bat, one of my flaws is, is throwing BP. Like my BP is borderline trash. Okay. Funny you say that. Okay. So in high school, I could not throw BP to save my absolute life. You think about it and you throw it. But from, from outfield, I could throw on a line to home. Yeah. But BP, so now, that's so hard. I, yeah. I, that, that's so hard. So now think about think about all that time that you have spending thinking about, I have to throw this over the plate. And then, you know, I look to my right and there's all three of my bosses, <laughs> Theo Epstein, you know, David Ross is checking in on the minor league side. Like there's yeah. a lot of eyes. And, you know, for me, like it'd be easy to hang my hat on the excuse of, you know, I tore my everything in my shoulder and my elbow when I was in yeah. college. But at the end of the day, like, you know, my BP is something that is not great. It is what it is. But for me, I think early on in spring training too, like my girlfriend knows this more than anybody is I would call her, you know, after a bad BP day. And I'd be like, I thinking I just have to quit. Like I'm, I'm done. I, Over BP. If, yeah. If I can't throw <laughs> BP, like what good am I? And you know, she's the one that's always like, I'm pretty sure the Cubs didn't hire you because you were an excellent BP thrower. And you know, it's, that's valid. That's thing is, it's like a thing as a coach though, like, especially when you're trying to like really drive home the point and mm-hmm. prove to these guys why you deserve this job and why you got hired. And, you know, I took BP to heart. I, <laughs> there was times I think the first guy would step in and I would hit him in the shoulder on the first throw. And you're just like, okay, it's going to be that day. Yeah. Um, but you know, those are things that I can work on. And I think those, you know, as a coach, I have to be able to put those bad days behind me really quick because if mm-hmm. I'm asking my players to be able to forget a lot of things and just get up there and battle, I got to do the same thing. So, you know, no one's perfect, but you know, I, I show up every day, you know, you're going to fail. You're going to have your bad times, but if your heart's in the right place and it really is focused on players and they believe that I believe me, I have guys now that when I call them, they're like, Hey, can we go back to work? So you can just hit me in the shoulder with a pitch <laughs> and we can just get over it. And it's like, Honestly. It's, the stuff that, it's the stuff that makes you laugh now. And it's like, you know, you realize that they understand that you care. Yeah. So they're, they're just like, I don't care. Just throw me what you can throw me. And then if you can't throw any more, we'll get somebody else in there. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like that's, that's really what it's about. It's, it's about a brotherhood. You build it, you know, whether you were a player on a team or you're now as a coach on the other side, like you don't forget that, that, 
you're in this together with your with those guys and you know mm-hmm. that's that's the stuff i miss the most it's coming up baseball's coming back we just gotta have faith in that one so tell me how did you get to become a coach for the cubs how did that process happen well it's you know it's not really as long as i guess everybody would think it's been so you know i fresh out of high school i joined the the military so i was in mm-hmm. the army for six years i did a deployment to iraq um you know i've I've loved baseball since I was a kid. So it's kind of always been there, but you know, after high school, I didn't really know what to do. So I joined the army, uh, you know, did six years in the army. It was a great time. I think it was that service really kind of taught me a lot about who I am as a person and, and who I was going to kind of be after the army. And, you know, I feel like for me, like I never really had a plan when I got out and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, you know, I've worked, job after job, just kind of pick up some hours here, make some money here. And, you know, that entire time you're thinking, you know, what can I do long-term? And I think especially going into my mid to late twenties, like, you know, you start to panic a little bit because you're watching your friends graduate from college and starting their careers. And, you know, here I am not knowing what I want to do. I know that I have a passion. I just, there's no way that I could ever make it worth its while. And I think you know, a lot of great people who want to be coaches, I think they stare at that problem in the beginning and they wonder, you know, well, there's no way I could ever get there. So why would I do it? And yeah. so, you know, for me, I, I kind of lucked out. I ended up finding a facility that my nephew was working out at for her, just practicing baseball. And, you know, I'd gone in there a few times and, you know, coached him up a little bit inside the cage and you know, they had seen kind of what I was doing with him and they asked me if I'd be interested in doing lessons there. And I started doing lessons, you know, really started working with youth hitters some high school age guys. And, you know, we were making a lot of noise. Guys were getting really good. And, you know, I really kind of loved what I was doing as a coach, kind of helping, you know, kids. So that summer in 2018, I coached my nephew's AAU team. And, you know, it was really fun being back on the field and, coaching on the field environment instead of just being in the cages and mm-hmm. you know you, I, I love that so much but for me I, it was how do we take it a little bit higher like how do we start working with you know some some better athletes some older kids some college guys and so after I kind of coached you know locally at the facility I got a chance to go to Texas and be offered a job as the director of hitting at the Texas Pitching Institute which is kind of cool because that place you know didn't have a hitting program and I had to build one for the ground up so mm-hmm. and it was good for me because I was able to take some time to really you know deep dive and research and create a, a hitting program that was you know centralized in traditional player development but it was also the first time we were going to expose ourselves and our athletes to technology and we were able to get a rap soto hitting unit we were able to get a blast bat sensor and you know, really use those pieces of technology to kind of shape what our programming was going to be. And, you know, at the core of it was going to be really individualized training programs where not one athlete or two athletes were going to do the same thing. It was everyone's going to have their own individual plan based on their needs. And, you know, for me, that was my first time really being immersed in the data and the technology. And, you know, I found it super beneficial for training athletes. It kind of just allowed us to you know, like I had said, confirm or deny what we were seeing, really create buy-in for athletes. And, you know, I was there for a little under a year before I got a chance to go to Next Level Academy, which is in Alabama. Um, they have an actual academy team and they host the summer team, the Triton Rays there. So I got in kind of right on the backside of the academy season. And I was going to be, you know, the director of hitting there also to run their hitting program for their academy guys who stayed during the summer, but then also coach their summer team. I was going to run the hitting development for them. And I controlled, you know, every aspect of it when it came to strength and conditioning, their hitting programs. You know, I also coached the 17U team in these big tournaments, perfect game, PBR. Yep. You know, that was really great to be back on a field and, you know, learning how to be a base coach and learning how to you know, not only take our programming, but apply it in a five-day turnaround to get these guys to play on the weekend in a big series. And, you know, it's kind of where I also reshaped who I was as a coach because you have to, you know, it's great being in the facility when you have all this time to get a player ready during the offseason, but can my same beliefs be used when we have a short turnaround to get guys ready to play? And, yeah, 
you know, that kind of shaped me for my next journey, which, you know, I wasn't even there that long at Next Level Academy. I think I was there for three months before, you know, I got the opportunity to jump on with a division one college program at Ohio University and be their director of hitting development and pretty much run the entire player development side for the hitters. And, you know, for me, that was, that was amazing. I, that for me was probably the first big step I had taken into baseball and especially at a coaching level and, you know, really had control over a program. And, you know, I was responsible for 26 hitters, 26 different plans, 26 different relationships you have to build with guys. And, you know, I was there for, again, such a short amount of time before I got the chance to go to professional baseball. But I mean, those, those 26 guys that I had, man, those are, those are probably the most important hitters I've ever worked with because they were the guys that, you know, bought into what I was saying from day one, allowed me to build a relationship and a program for them. And, you know, I, today, like, I still feel really bad that I wasn't able to kind of see that season out because that would have been really special. I think we were working on something incredible, but, you know, I was there for, you know, three or four months before I had gotten a call or I'm sorry, a call. I got a Twitter DM of all things from, uh, Justin Stone, who had just gotten hired to be the director of hitting for the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, he flat out asked me, he said, Hey man, you know, I've been following you for a while. I've seen your kind of progression. I've seen what you're doing, what you're into, what your beliefs are. You know, I, I have a question for you. Like, would you be interested in becoming a minor league hitting coach in the Chicago Cubs organization? You know, you, you flat out want to scream at the phone and be like, Duh. <laughs> like, of course I do. But like, you know, in that moment I was like, you know, absolutely. I have interest. Um, yeah. I, I definitely have interest. I would love that. Um, you know, and he said, all right, well, you know, I'll give you a call and we'll talk about it a little bit. And, you know, it, it's in that moment, I think I was in the cages in between an individual session. So nobody was in the cage, <laughs> just me, the actual hitting coach and the assistant volunteer coach. And I think I let out like a Ric Flair woo and I was jumping <laughs> up and down and you know, I hadn't even gotten the job yet. I had just been approached with interest and, you know, well, still, I, like that's a big step. Like that's exactly. That's huge. And it's, you know, we go to the beginning where I told you, like, I think a lot of people get deterred because they never think they'll get to that level. And, yeah. you know, for me, once I got to Ohio University, I knew that professional baseball was real. I knew I had a chance. I still thought that I was two to three years away from doing it. I think mm-hmm. because I had rose so fast into positions, you still have to lay out fundamental groundwork and be able to prove your theory does it work? Can it be applicable? So, you know, to get that, that call within four months of, you know, taking on a college job, I, I was so ecstatic. I was so excited. Um, you know, I got on the phone with Justin and we talked for probably two hours, you know, just back and forth. What do you think about this? How do you handle this? What do you think about that? You know, it was a really great conversation and, you know, it's probably one of those times early in my career where I would get on the phone and I think, you know, poor person who's on the other end because I'm out of breath by the time I'm I'm done talking. Oh yeah, for one sure. Sentence. I would, and, oh. Yeah, my emotions take over, man. Like, you know, I just I was so excited to be talking baseball, and especially you know with some guy yeah. who's in charge of the entire hitting department for the Cubs. But you know, that was a it was a lengthy process to get hired for them, and you know they like really that. do their they do their due diligence on guys and. You know, well, around that's like the, the top time, level. Like that is the, yeah. I, mean, yep. I mean, like that's where everyone wants to be. Yeah. And like, you know, I've, I've always done a great job of kind of articulating my thoughts when I, when I do interviews, when I talk mm-hmm. to people and, but you know, with the Cubs, it was such a lengthy process that sometimes, you know, I, I thought like, Oh my God, it's just like another step you got to go through. Like I had just been so good at like, talking myself into jobs yeah. because I was good at articulating my thoughts and the Cubs were like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got <laughs> past this part, but you got to get through this part now. And there's still like nine more parts after this. And it's like, wow. okay, so, you know, you really got to be ready. But you know, it was during the time that I was talking to the Cubs that all of a sudden I was getting hit from the Chicago White Sox, the Minnesota twins. I had talked to the Texas Rangers. I had talked to, you know, a couple other teams on the side that all of a sudden they just started popping up with interest. and They got wind of it. Yeah, and for me, it's like, it's one of those moments where, like, I remember calling my mom and she was like, what the hell are you (laughs) talking about? And I was like, because she, I mean, my I love my mom. She understands, you know, the idea of baseball, but she just doesn't understand how people get paid to do this. Yeah. So, 
the one thing my mom to, does for a yeah. hobby and passion. The one thing my mom does understand though, is if you say the word baseball and Chicago Cubs, she knows exactly who that is. And she, her floor, her, her jaw hit the floor wow. when I had even told her that that was possible. And she was like, wow. So, you know, around this time, I'm talking to six different teams and, you know, still in the back of my mind and my girlfriend can attest to this. Like in my head, there was no other team. Oh, like yeah. I, yep. I, I wanted to, and you know, you're talking, I grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. I grew up in Boston. That to me is probably the only thing that would ever override any decision I ever make. Yep. Because I just have such a love for Boston. But, you know, in my head at that moment with, with who was taking over there with Justin being there and, and me being such a big fan of what Justin had done his entire career and what he was getting ready to do. Like I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I knew yep. there was no other team I wanted to be a part of. And, you know, when I finally got through the entire process, I got through the interview. I was, you know, fortunate enough to go interview at Wrigley. And, you know, I, I interviewed with, you know, the director of player development, the senior director of player development, Justin. I interviewed with R&D. I had to talk with, I mean, I didn't have to, but I, I was fortunate enough to get to talk to Theo for mm -hmm. a little bit. And you start to realize that, you know, this is real. Like, this is a yeah. business. Like, you better be able to, whatever you say you can do, you better be able to do it. And you know, that's for me where it became real. And I remember, you know, after the interview, getting on the flight to go back to Ohio, so ecstatic, so happy. I felt like the interview went perfectly. I feel like I had great answers for everything and, and just was able to articulate what I wanted to do and what I believe my strengths were. And then, you know, the waiting period of like two to three weeks waiting for, you know, anything, oh, any yeah. decision, any call. and Sweating bullets. I, yeah, I think about a week and a half, two weeks in, I was – me and my girlfriend were, were out to eat and I just keep looking at the table. I, I can't even <laughs> process anything. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, honestly, I think I may have bombed this interview. Like, I don't think I did as well as I thought I was going to do. And, you know, it was just such a waiting period, a waiting period. And then I, one day I just said, okay, the hell with it. Like I still have to do my job here at Ohio. Like I still have, I can't be like this. So I go to practice one day and we're having an inner squad, just kind of some ball ball stuff. And my phone rings in the dugout. It's a text message. It says, Justin it says, Hey, can we talk? Ew. Yeah, absolutely. So I head into, I head up into the stadium. I go into the office and, you know, I call him and I say, Hey, what's up, man? And he goes, ah, you know, <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, crap, here we go. And he was like, yeah, so uh, we loved it. We loved what you said. The guys really liked you. Um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and offer you the job. Like you're going to be a hitting coach in the Cubs organization. Oh, and I like wow. put the phone on mute and I was like screaming. And <laughs> <laughs> so I put, I take him off mute and he's like, yeah, man. So we just went over, you know, some specifics real quick and you know, I, he, congratulations. And I hung up the phone and you know, I, I went back down onto the field cause I realized like, I can't, you I can't, can't just leave. I can't, I can't tell anybody I told yeah. that I took the job yet. Like, so I go down there and I'm just like, uh, you can see it all over my face. <laughs> and I'm still trying to be cool. And you know, the, one of my buddies, Nick, the assistant coach goes, who was that? And I go, yeah, that was the Cubs. And they go, yeah, what happened? And I, said, uh, I took the job. <laughs> they, they gave me the job. And he's like, oh, cool. And it's like, oh, okay. It's just all right, cool. So, but no, I mean, it was, they, they were extremely happy for me. I think, you know, it sucked again, you know, and only being there four months and not really being able to see that season out. But for me, it was, it was a no brainer with what yeah. we we're trying to do what Justin's trying to do for the Cubs. And, you know, I'm, I'm super glad that I took that job. Even, you know, I got three weeks into spring training before we got sent home, but I can yeah. tell you like, you know, the entire off season that I was working with these guys and, you know, being able to go up to Chicago and, and get in some training environments with other coaches, like there, there's nothing like professional baseball, but beyond that, there's nothing like being a Chicago Cub. I think oh. it's hands down from what I've heard from other people it is the best organization. These guys really take care of their employees. They take care of their players, man. Like there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Me being a diehard Cubs fan. It's awesome to hear that. I mean, like I'm glad that I a fan of one of the best organizations in baseball. Okay. But if I was offered a job by any other team, only the Cubs would top that. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like everybody's going to have, you know, that team, 
they grew up for yeah. and they would do it. And, you know, I still, I still think about this, man. Like, okay. You know, had the Red Sox. Oh God. Qu- question. What if, yeah. So as being a Red Sox fan, what if the Yankees offered you a job? So I, I think there's like a perfect out there. I, I pretty much don't plan on ever shaving. So, I mean, <laughs> so the Yankees are out. For, yeah. So for people that don't know me or can't see me, uh, I have a pretty luscious big beard, probably take, rivaling only ta- Mike Napoli. I'll take a picture of it right now. So everyone yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah. So for for me, I feel like, you know, all joking aside, like the Yankees, you know, historically great organization. Yeah. It's really hard to argue with what they're doing. And, you know, every every situation has to be right, you know. Yeah. The more I learn now, the more it's like you have to put yourself in position to not only succeed, but also grow and be a part of something. And, you know, honestly, had even the Red Sox kind of been in contention when I was first, you know, getting into pro ball, I think the people that are in the Cubs organization, the people that I got to meet with, Justin being, you know, my boss and being the guy who personally hired me and, you know, personally retained and hired, you know, great new coaches, people that are experts in their field. I Honestly, I, I would never go anywhere else right now. I think with what we're getting ready to do, once we're able to kind of roll it out fully and not have to go home halfway through, you know, the next couple of years, I think people are going to be really surprised with what we do player development wise, mm. not only for hitters, for pitchers. I think, you know, we have coaches that are just amazing at all aspects of this. And it really is a, it really is a team effort. Guys are working very hard. Guys are, you know, we're constantly on meetings trying to push it even further and really get this thing off the ground as best we can. And, you know, I, I don't think there's another situation out there that could quite be replicated with what we're doing now. Um, you know, I'm super proud to be a Cub. I'm super proud to be a Theo Epstein guy. I'm super proud yeah. to be a Justin Stone guy. Like, I, it's easy to see why these guys are the best. And, Believe me, you know, as a, as a Red Sox fan, I get my fix every single day. Yeah. You know, David Ross is our is our major league manager. Yeah. 2013 guy. And you got uh, Napoli. Mike, Mike Napoli yep. is our quality assurance coach. Theo, so, you, you know, got it's it's Theo, it's, it's virtually Jed. yep. And so the Red Sox are my, my favorite AL team. So I I mean, so when Theo came over to uh, at the Cubs, I was ecstatic, and then just everyone coming over Lester, like all of them, it was just. It felt, it felt right. It felt amazing. Believe me, I was uh, still a big Red Sox fan at this point when Lester signed with the Cubs, and mm-hmm. I did not like it. I was a fan. <laughs> I hated it. Wanted Lester to come back to Boston. And now that, you know, we flash forward to 2020 and I'm a Chicago Cub coach, uh, no, I'm cool with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy we got Lester. I'm happy, you know, we got Rossi. Like, you know, we've – we've hired some really great people. And I think, you know, with especially David Ross being, you know, the leader of what yeah. we're doing here. And, you know, he's not only just so involved with the major league club, he's so involved with what we're doing at a minor league level because which really, yeah, you really have to good. Be, like I have to be able to create the best guys for what you need. And if you're not in on that process, then what are we really doing? And I can yeah. tell you right now that, you know, David Ross, Anthony Iaposi, the hitting coach, they're heavily involved with what we're doing. And they're making sure that, one, we're doing it the right way, but we're also doing it to create guys who are going to hit at Wrigley, not just be career minor leaguers. And, yeah. You know, I'm sure every organization does that. But, you know, there's, there's just something special about being a Chicago Cub. There's something special about, you know, putting that blue on. And, you know, every day that I was at my locker in spring training, believe me, it doesn't get lost on me that I was pulling up, you know, pinstripe pants and putting on Cubs apparel and throwing on my Cubs hat and walking out to the field. And, you know, just having my handprint – my hands in the pie of creating, you know, some of the best hitters that are one day going to be at Regal Field. Well, being on the other side of it, like as a Cubs fan, I can contest and say that one of the best feelings is to be a Cub. Uh, so was it in 2018? So I lived down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and then I drove back to Washington State. And on the way back, it was either go see the Grand Canyon or go stop by Sloan Park. And I chose Sloan Park. And made then, the right choice. Oh, yeah, easily. Well, because you yeah. coach only four hours away, so that's a road trip for me. Yeah, yeah, it's. 
I tell you, man, like uh, as big of a baseball fan as I have always been, I've never been to a spring training game. I've never been to a single spring training yeah. facility. So you got to imagine for me, man, I'm driving my car across country to go to spring training for the first time as a job, yeah. let alone as a fan. That's and, a career right yeah, there. I tell you, man, like I got into Mesa and I checked into the hotel. I put all my stuff up. I got everything out of my car. And the first thing I did was drive over to the complex and you know, as a fan, I'm sure the first time I went to a spring training game, I'd just be walking in the stadium and being like, wow. Yeah. This time I'm, I'm rolling into the parking lot. I'm going into the complex. I'm looking at all the fields. I'm looking at my locker. Like for me, man, I don't think that moment is ever going to get lost on me and just, you know, how hard that I had to work and, you know, how fortunate I was to be in positions that I was to actually get to this point. And, you know, I have those pictures on my phone still to this day of my locker when the first time I was in there. And, you know, I get butterflies every time because, you know, as I don't want to say that, like, I, I don't belong here, but I just, in the beginning when I first started this, like, I didn't think this was possible. I didn't think that I could ever get to this spot. And it's the feeling you know, that you made it. You yeah, made it's, it. It's that culmination of definitely you've made it and, you know, this is real. Like, I flipped over my jersey and it's got my name on it, yeah. the Chicago Cubs logo on the front. And, you know, it's one of those moments where I had to stop and kind of reflect on everything that had happened. And then, you, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. Like, had I gone this way instead of this way, like, is this still possible? Am I still here? And it's, you know, it's hard for me to look back and really have regrets with anything that's happened in my life, anything that I've done. because. Feel like if I change any one part of that, this probably doesn't happen. And yeah. you know, being in the army and trying to go play, you know, college baseball after that, like, is that something I shouldn't have? If I didn't do that, do I get to this point? And it's like, probably not. It all happens for a go reason. Go down the rabbit path, exactly. So for me, man, it's like I'm just so happy to kind of be at this point. But at the same time, it, it keeps me hungry because I know that at any moment, if I don't perform, if I don't do my job, this could be mm -hmm. over. Like I could be one and done and well, I'm going to be the guy that hangs my hat that I was hired by a pro ball team. But my only season was COVID-19 and <laughs> that was it. Hey. So yeah, for me, man, like I, I stay hungry. Yep. I stay humble, but I'm always, I'm always kind of chasing after the next thing. Well, I'm super glad that you're a part of the Cubs organization as a fan. Appreciate it. Yeah. So do you have any final advice like for listeners? You know, I, I, for, for anybody who's trying to do anything, let alone coaching, like I think you have to formulate your plan. You have to figure out what do you really want to do? And, you know, sometimes with guys coming out of high school, coming out of college, like you don't really know what you want to do. And that's, in my head, that's okay. Like I didn't figure out what the hell I wanted to do until I was 28 years old mm -hmm. and I'm chasing pipe dreams. I'm living out of my car. I'm taking jobs for literally no money. Like just trying to make it to this point where all of this becomes real. It becomes actionable and it becomes something that I can call a career. I mean, for me, it's figure out what you're passionate about and it's, you know, no lie. Like I feel like people say like, find a passion and you can go get paid for it. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But really like I love the game of baseball and I loved it so much that I was willing to go places and live out of my car and accept yeah. no money to prove that I could do it. And that's, I think the big part that gets lost on people is, you know, this is hard. Like it's yeah. hard work. Like not everybody is fortunate enough to get into pro ball, you know, two years after they started coaching. Like I was lucky. There are people that you do went that fast. for 10 years. Yeah. yeah there are people fast. that do that for 10 years. What age group did you uh, coach at? I guess like when you started. When I started, I was working with anywhere from five to 13 years old. So starting coaching at five-year-old kids to coaching single-A professional baseball for the Cubs in two years. Yep, two years. That's absolutely amazing. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like, sometimes I have to stop and remember, like, I've done this for two years, but, you know, not to discredit just how fast I got here. Like, people need to understand that, you know, I – would go to work. I would get home from the facility at 10 o'clock at night and I would be up till two or three in the morning, almost every night researching, learning, mm -hmm. hitting up other coaches, really trying to pick people's brains. And I think, you know, that's where social media has been amazing is, and don't be hesitant to reach out to people. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. hit up people all the time that 
probably are outside or were at one point what I thought was outside of where I should be reaching out to because, you know, why the hell would they ever answer my message or my thing? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I was fortunate enough to be retweeted and commented by tons of people who I considered to be authorities on, you know, certain areas of baseball. And, you know, they took that time to really just tell me like, Hey man, like you're doing a great job. You're putting out really good, relevant content, like keep doing it. And it's like, I never failed to reach out to people to this day. I mean, I guess it's a little easier now reaching out to people because people kind of have an idea of who I am, but yeah. you know, my DMS are always open. Like I get back to everybody. Like, yeah, see, I am very I, thankful that you responded to this. Yeah. And, and if I don't like for real, just send me another message because it's probably one of those times <laughs> where like I saw it and then I put it back in my pocket because I was doing something, but I, you know, I answer questions from, you know, people all the time, fans, uh, other coaches, other professional coaches, I answer phone calls and text messages for literally coaches. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like if you need the help, I'm willing to do it. I think that's, you know, what we're here to do. And, you know, my job now, like, you know, I credit social media for getting me to where I got to, but now yeah. I use my social media platform to really just kind of reach other coaches and, you know, give them what I don't believe that I got kind of coming up. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to have people allow me to work in certain spots, but, you know, I take a lot of pride in being self-made and doing this my way and the way that I wanted to do it. And, you know, I didn't get people to kind of hold my hand or, you know, help me out along the way when I probably definitely needed it the most. But, you know, if I can do that for other coaches now, I think that's kind of where, you know, being a, a guy who's a teacher, who's a coach, I mean, that's my job now is to, you know, coach players, but I also want to help coaches understand that whatever you want to do is possible and you just have to be open to new things you have to be open to that but most importantly like you got to be okay with just sending people messages and oh, seeing what happens i definitely i send probably about 100 messages a day on uh twitter like so i can get uh, interviews right now that's one yeah, i think you know stuff. again like you know this with like you know, starting a podcast and like, you know, just how scary that thought can be of starting anything new when you got, you know, like a two year thought finally. Yeah. Nothing to really hold your hat on. And like, you're just trying to get people to get on. And not only that, but you're trying to get like good people to come on and talk like the same thing for everybody, man. Like if you want to learn something, you want to know about something about people, like just ask, like approach. Because yeah. my thing is like, I, I kind of hate the idea that people just follow people and just see the information and that's it. That's, that's good enough for me as I saw it. Now I can use it. And it's like, okay, but like, if you really want to understand the thought process behind something, like ask me, like, I'm willing to tell you like what my thought process is and yeah. how I process things. And it might not work for you. Like you may read my tweet and think that's gold, but at the end of the day, it's not actionable for you. So your best move would be to hit me up and I can tell you like, Oh, well you have this, this, and this, well, I thought about it like that. And let's come up with a way that something works for you and just, you know, advice to everybody is don't be afraid to reach out because, you know, I had that same thought starting out <laughs> coaching, man. And for me, like, it's scary reaching out to people who, you know, work at the pinnacle of what we're trying to do yeah. and thinking they're going to answer me with my 40 followers on Twitter and <laughs> you know, who the hell am I? And I'm not going to waste my time answering this kid, but like, you know, the guys that did answer me, you know, they, they really encouraged me to keep doing what I was doing. They gave me some pointers and, you know, it was funny because I've had conversations now with them for years. Like we've mm -hmm. become friends that they were like, you do realize that I like followed you and answered you when you had 40 followers. And now here you are this big professional coach with, you know, 2,600 followers. And it's like, yeah, yeah but like none of that again is po possible if I don't try to reach out and you know, I don't yep. get encouraged. And I think, you know, especially in today's day and age where, everybody wants to put somebody down for some other reason because they don't think the same way. They don't like what you're doing. Like my, my answer is that who cares? Like, yeah, I got so caught up in like caring what other people thought for so long. And, you know, I think it's still important because you have to be able to know where you stand. But at the same time, like, honestly, I don't care. Yeah. Like if you agree with me, awesome. If you don't come at me with facts, like let's talk about it. Cause I don't, I have no problem being wrong. Like, I discussed this on the podcast with Kyle the other day was like, I don't, I'd almost, I'd rather be wrong because once somebody points me in the right direction, man, I get motivated and I go down the hole trying to figure out right answers because I'm just trying to be better. Do you think that that is a part of being a, a baseball player and coach get a hit three times out of 10, you're doing amazing and you got to get used to being in fail. Do you think that that's like a big part of it? 
I think that's, I think it's super important. I think, you know, we tell guys all the time, like this game is built on failure. Yep. You find me another profession in the world where you can only be right three out of 10 times and you're considered great. That doesn't exist. If you were only right 30% of the time in most jobs, you're getting fired. That's true. Like it's a game built on failure and you've got to be okay with that. Like yeah. the best guys have failure all the time and they're just like, ah, whatever, let me get back yeah. to it. Like, so for, for players and coaches, man, I think it's huge. Like you have to be able to just not care about certain things that are going to, especially if they don't contribute anything to what we're trying to do. Like, and I think that's where, you know, we talk with our guys about like the media, like the media is huge with baseball players, with any athlete, like they're going to harp on you for the best stuff. They're going to harp on yep. you for the, the worst stuff. Like at the end of the day, care, but don't care. Like at the end of the day, it, it, what it matters is about the people in the room. It matters people that are going to be in your circle. And, you know, as everybody keeps building, like, you know, I get to the point now where like, I still think like, I'm so far outside of where these people are at. Like I got to, str- I struggle to catch up and it's like, sometimes I just, okay, whatever. Like this is my race to run. I'm going to run it my way. Apparently I've been doing things right for a while because I'm here, but you know, I'm not going to change my mindset. So, you know, if you're hungry enough about something, get a plan, get motivated and and do it because Honestly, if you don't do it, you're going to be sitting there waking up the next day going, hey, I wonder if I should. I wonder if I should. You do that enough times, and there's not enough time to do stuff. So you want to do something now, man, I say just do it. I love it. absolutely love it. Well, Travis, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, man. I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you know, I, Again, I can't thank you enough, man. Like, Thanks for having me on. I, yep. I really hope this podcast takes off. I love what you're doing here. Big thank you to Travis Fitta. Since this episode has been recorded, there's a lot of things going around in baseball and especially in the minor leagues that we don't know. There's lots of teams across the whole entire MLB and their organizations who have had to let go lots of players and, and coaches due to the fact of COVID. So Travis, I wish you the absolute best of luck on your next adventure. As always, a huge thank you to Routine Baseball for many of the apparel that I wear throughout the episodes. Routine Baseball has got me covered. They started out of a basement producing tees, and now they're shipping apparel and accessories across the globe. And that's it for this episode. Oh, and go Cubs.